This is WCM's Park Update, a weekly show covering the outdoor hospitality industry hosted by Ben Quiggle and Mike Gast. During each episode, you'll hear from special guests and campground experts on topics that will help your park flourish. WCM's Park Update is a production of Woodall's Campground Magazine. Hi, I'm Ben Quiggle, editor of Woodall's Campground Magazine, and this is another episode of WCM's Park Update, um, sponsored by Bush Tech USA. Um, our, my co-host, Mike Gast, is here, former Vice President of Communications of Campgrounds of America. And our guest today is Matt Rose, the director for the Indiana Campground Owners Association. And I guess, uh, Matt, this, uh, maybe explain a little bit how you guys got into the campground business because you're part of a larger, like, RV manufactured home association too, right? Sure. Uh so we're a we're a very small office, but we have our hands in a lot uh, around yeah. the state of Indiana. So our association started back in the mid '40s uh, as a manufactured housing association, and today um, we are the state nonprofit trade association, and we represent um, three different industries: um, the manufactured housing industry, the RV industry, and then the state's private campgrounds. And up until a couple of years ago, um, there were actually two campground associations here in the state of Indiana. And um, through some successes that we had and many conversations, um, we we talked about bringing the two associations together. Um, there were some folks that, that drug their feet a little bit on that based on some things that happened a long, long time ago, well before me. Um, but we all realized that we were probably stronger together. And so the Indiana Campground Owners Association and IMHA RVIC have now come together. Uh, we're still working out some of the, the final details on that, but we've been working on that for about a year and a half now. And um, so we, we were in the campground association business before, and uh, now we have uh, partnered up and we've... Uh, basically uh, joined up the two associations. So the Indiana Campground Owners Association now uh, was, is within our roof uh, here in Indianapolis. So what do the membership numbers look like, yeah. Matt? Uh, right now we have about 68 members uh, throughout the state. Uh, our due structure was a little bit different than uh, ICOA's was. Uh, we did gain a few campgrounds. Um, so that number ebbs and flows, but right now we're at about almost 70 campgrounds throughout the state. And you guys partner with the National Association of RV Parks and Campgrounds, right? Yes, we do. Okay. Uh, so we are the state affiliate um, and the only campground association in the state right now. But yes, we are partners uh, with Arvik. Uh, they are a tremendous resource for us. Um, makes me look really good and really smart with the resources that uh, they, they afford us. But uh, yeah, so when a campground, a private campground or RV park joins uh, Indiana Campground Owners Association. They are automatically a member of ARVIC. So yeah. bang for their buck is just absolutely terrific because they get uh, the legislative uh, work that we do on behalf of campgrounds here in the state uh, and the resources that we offer on the state level. And then in addition, they get all the benefits um, that ARVIC uh, provides them as well. So I'm guessing that the yeah. uh, the Indiana campgrounds may be a little bit different since you're sitting at the mecca of uh, RV construction. 
is that true? Is it, are the campgrounds operated a little bit differently? Do they have a different feel to them? Are, are campers more experienced because they're they're where they are? No, not necessarily. Um, you know, clearly we are the the home of the RV uh, industry, and we pres- uh, produce eighty seven percent of all RVs that you see on the road today. But uh, as far as uh, experience level with campers, not necessarily. As a matter of fact, we might have some newer campers uh, in northern Indiana that uh, uh, might pick up an RV from northern Indiana and uh, you know make their first overnight stop uh, near Elkhart County. Um, you know, unlike a car, an RV inherently gets a little bit more expensive the farther you get from Elkhart County if it's built in Elkhart County, because you're paying a transport driver to get it to Alabama, California, Texas. So a lot of folks will actually drive in and make a a vacation and a trip out of buying their RV um, and and drive into northern Indiana, buy locally. Uh, We like to say buy it where it's built and save. Um, So we actually have probably some some newer campers uh, in north central Indiana. But, you know, for the most part, state's private campgrounds, pretty much like you'll find all over the U.S. I know the job market in northern Indiana has, has fluctuated wildly the last year or so. Uh, does that impact the the camper numbers at all? Have you seen anything like that? Not that we've seen, no. Um, we know that uh, the RV manufacturing um, is cyclical, and we do see uh, ebbs and flows with uh, job numbers as far as manufacturing goes. Uh, there are so many campers today, as we all know, um, it hasn't really affected uh, occupancy at, at the state's campgrounds. Um, we're coming off of you know the third best year campgrounds have seen uh, in recent history. So now I think the job numbers on the manufacturing, of course, um, changes a little bit. But as far as occupancy and campgrounds um, staying busy, that hasn't affected that at all. So I know that you had a a big couple of years post COVID or at least post pandemic. And did it, uh, did it, were the campgrounds in, in Indiana housing a lot of RV workers? Actually, that's a great question. Yes. Um, one of our biggest home runs as of late was uh, getting campgrounds opened up um, during that summer of, of, of COVID in 2020. Um, when everything shut down middle of March, a lot of our campgrounds were very puckered up because um, especially northern Indiana campgrounds typically don't operate year round. Um, they were coming out of the winter months and looking forward to opening. And of course, Memorial Day weekend is one of the Super Bowl weekends that a campground has. And the governor shut everything down and uh, we worked tirelessly. And I mean, every day. Um, once campgrounds were shut down to work with the governor's office, um, we took many different angles, but we were successful in finally getting campgrounds open um, like 48 hours prior to the Labor Day or the Memorial Day weekend. So that was a huge home run. And, and really that was part of, uh, that, was, that was a big enough home run where um, those that had been open to bringing ICOA and IMHA RVIC together finally said, you know what, you guys are the real deal. We can see that you're working on behalf of Indiana's campgrounds. I think we need to move forward with further conversations in bringing these two associations together. So, yeah. Yeah. I know your boss, Ron, um, I'm going to, hopefully I say his last name right, Br- Brimer. 
Brymeyer. Brian, yeah. Okay. We'll just let yeah, you know. Uh, he's going to be uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame, the RVMH Hall of Fame this year. So that's pretty yes. exciting. Um, yeah. Um, we are very proud of that. Um, you know, there were a handful of us that were instrumental in uh, nominating him and putting together that nomination. And um, Ron's been, he's been in the industry well over I want to say 25 years, but I think he's actually been uh, working on behalf of the RV and campground industries for close to 30 years now. And uh, through the nomination process, I actually learned a few things uh, about my own boss and our executive director. <laughs> um, yeah, we're very proud of that. He's uh, he's being inducted uh, in August. And, um, you know, Ron's been associated with campground industry, the RV industry and the manufactured housing industry. So. Uh, I was especially proud to get him uh, get him into the Hall of Fame under the RV side, and yeah. uh, his accomplishments go on and on. And um, again, I learned a few things about what Rhonda did well before I was <laughs> associated with this industry. Well, you you guys have been doing excellent on the um, legislation front. It looks like I know you guys um, right as soon as pretty much right after you took over operating the association you guys had the big win with the liability, the limited liability law, and you guys have been working on other legislative pieces at the state level too, right? We have, uh, you know, every year we're working on uh, issues that affect uh, campgrounds in the RV industry. And I would say our two biggest successes just in the last couple of years is uh, back in 2020, again, getting campgrounds opened up uh, for business prior to Memorial Day weekend. And then uh, enabling them to stay, you know, open all summer um, and house those workers, which I got carried away and forgot to go back and address that, Mike. <laughs> but yes, uh, one of the reasons why we got campgrounds open is because we were housing workers. But back to our two home runs, uh, you know, getting campgrounds opened up was a huge success. And we had worked for years and I, I'm six or eight years on trying to implement some limited liability legislation to help protect um, family owned campgrounds and RV parks. And, um, it truly was a group effort and Arvik, uh, was a, was a great help, uh, with that. But, uh, all the leg work on the state level was done by our office and by Ron in the state house. And we were successful, uh, last year, uh, to get that legislation put through. And, uh, it does a great job of protecting our, our campgrounds against frivolous lawsuits and, Basically, in a nutshell, it says, hey, if you're going to go camping and if you're going to be in a campground where there are trees and there are roots and rocks, you might stumble and fall. So you need to accept those inherent risks of being outside and being in a campground. And uh, that passed. We were successful last year and that went into effect um, July 1st of 2022. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we've seen states all across the country trying to do some of that. Um, some are easier than others. Some take a long time to get through. And then other states, it just seems they just get it through pretty easily. So, but uh, more and more of those are c going through, I guess, um, you know, uh, the courts to some degree kind of determine how those laws play out too, right? Like uh, if a lawsuit does come through, how the courts kind of react to those laws, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we looked to, um, 
We look to successes uh, around the country to help us with uh, the wording and to help us get our legislation through. Um, one of the first states, to my knowledge, was Wisconsin. That went through a number of years ago. So we looked at Wisconsin and uh, and then Jeff Sims, uh, who calls Missouri home, uh, was instrumental in uh, getting legislation passed in Missouri, I believe the year before. So that was in 2021. So we look to other states for help. We look to uh, Jeff Sims and Arvik's um, expertise to help us out with that as well. But um, we worked tirelessly for six, seven years uh, to get that through. And so we were finally successful on the on the state level last year. And that's something we're quite proud of. So as the, the face of the owner changed in Indiana, do you, do you see more corporate ownership now, less mom and pop operations? Um. It's coming, and there are uh, a few campgrounds, especially in southern Indiana, once you get down uh, in the Brown County area, the Hoosier National Forest area. Um, we're seeing it on the RV side quicker than we are seeing on the campground side. We do have some large companies that are coming in, and uh, again, it's there, but uh, I would say statewide, there are probably only six or eight campgrounds that are owned by owned by the big boys. And how about new construction? I know that in my KOA years, we hardly ever saw a new campground being constructed. Now it seems like the norm. Yeah, it is. Um, as a matter of fact, we've got a, a an RV guy here in northern Indiana, um, Steve Showalter, with Showalter RV over in Napanee, mm -hmm. who has plans uh, that he's working through approval process on right now to build out uh, a higher-end RV park near Shipshawana, Indiana. And the the impetus of that was um, as he traveled um, and stayed at RV parks, especially down south, some of the nicer, bigger parks with nicer amenities, uh, he saw a lack of that here in Indiana. So he's taken it upon himself to develop a, a new RV park up <clears throat> here. But um, yeah, I have assisted a couple of different uh, folks here in the state as far as next steps, approval processes, uh, introductions with the Indiana State Department of Health, um, which regulates the state's campgrounds here in Indiana, uh, get going. But um, I think that campgrounds have had successful enough years in the last uh, couple of years that they are a little bit more financially uh, ready to expand or to build uh, new campgrounds. But it's still, as we all know, very expensive. And um, yeah, there are some new plans in place. There are some people looking at developing campgrounds. They're coming. And of course, we all know that they're solely needed. And then there's, um, I know there's one right off the toll road in Elkhart um, that they're building out right there by where the hotels are at off the toll road. Um, I don't know when that one opens. I think it was getting pretty close to opening. Um, but that one was more of like a I don't want to say a parking lot, but like, uh, you know, a place where people can get off the tow road, um, have a nice place to stay for the night. So, yeah. um, a nice, um, I haven't met those fellas yet. Um, but I know a couple of guys in the Elkhart area that, that do know them and you're right. It's, uh, that campground is not so much a park under a shade tree, crack a cold one and, uh, you know, unload the kayaks and the fishing poles. That's yeah. more of a, uh, <laughs> stop on the way through on the toll road. Yep. And yeah. I've also been told that uh, they will house uh, or their goal is to house um, some workers. Um, yeah. Workers that are coming in that might be working on some uh, infrastructure developments, wind farms, uh, guys that are, are, are seasonal workers. 
so they've kind of targeted that a little bit more than um, a leisure type campground. Yeah. Well, um, we have to pause for a second to um, recognize our sponsor, Bush Tech Safari USA, and we will be right back. No, ma'am. This is a five-star establishment. We do not have tents. Another one. With bespoke modern design, state-of-the-art craftsmanship, and only the finest quality materials, Bushtech Safari manufactures tents that take luxury to the next level. A true combination of five-star luxury and a five-billion-star experience. Tents. Better. Best. Bushtech. Hi, welcome back to WCM's Park Update. Our guest today is Matt Rose, and we are talking about Indiana and campgrounds in Indiana, RV parks, RVing industry, and I know Matt, you went to Capitol Hill not too long ago with the National Association of RV Parks and Campgrounds. I guess just tell us a little bit about your experience there. You guys were advocating for parks all across the country. Sure, uh, it was a great uh, a great trip to Washington D.C. That was my my second year. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that week uh, originated with, and the real reason that. Uh, we were there uh, due to RVIA's uh, RVs Move America Week, mm-hmm. an advocacy day scheduled on uh, Wednesday, where there are RV-related asks of our federal-level legislators. Um, but I did, um, I did partner up with uh, the Arvic crew, uh, who did a tremendous job at uh, organizing um, a very uh, organized and targeted list of legislators uh, with a handful of asks for. Mm-hmm. Um, things on the state level here in Indiana and also on the national level. And um, those those calls and meetings were on Tuesday, so they didn't conflict with uh, with RVIA and RV-related calls. Uh, but the RVIC team did a good job of putting together uh, a schedule, uh, communicating um, ways that we can be uh, most effective and, and organizing the entire day. So it was a good week. Um, I consider it a, a very good success, and it was a pleasure to work with the RVIC guys. Any uh, any change in the attitude on the hill to, from your first year to, to this year? Um, you know, I I I saw a more receptive attitude this year than I did last year, and I'm not mm-hmm. sure what the change is. But mm-hmm. um, you know, last year it wasn't bad, but this year I saw more um, more questions, mm-hmm. better engagement. Um, a, a, a real um, willingness to listen, ask questions, and clarify so that they can help us take next steps. Uh, it was very well received. Yeah. Um, and I know you guys met, you met with a number of different uh, congressmen and senators. I think you met with Representative Larry Buckshan. And um, I guess, you know, what were some of the things you mentioned to him or to some of the other elected officials that maybe impacted Indiana park owners? I guess I know you guys talked about Death Tax Repeal Act, the ADA compliance, um, EV infrastructure. Um, you know, are those things that are impacting park owners? Do you hear from park owners about some of those topics? You know, they are. And you you actually hit the, the three, the three really that we focused on. Um, we met with uh, with Larry Bouchon, who is actually a part of the RV caucus. Um, he was one of our visits. And, you know, one of the, the things that we talked about, and we asked for his support on was the repeal of the uh, the estate tax. 
Um, so many of these campgrounds, as we know, are, are family-owned small businesses, and this estate tax is uh, is unfairly burdensome when when somebody passes on and they need to make changes with the family. So, um, yes, that is affecting and has affected Indiana campgrounds and, and campgrounds all over the U.S. Um, so that was a that was a big ask. And then, um, you know, the campground industry is not immune from frivolous lawsuits uh, that we're seeing. You know, you can't drive down the highway without seeing, you know, a big truck crash, you know, call the hammer. Let's get together and sue yeah. people. Yep. And unfortunately, uh, there are some folks out there that are uh, uh, targeting campgrounds. And, and one of the common sense asks that we had was the uh, the the grace period, if you will, on uh, ADA compliance on on campgrounds websites. Uh, so many of these websites are uh, are done on a very elementary level um, mm-hmm. because there's not a lot of money to spend on, on on their websites. And some are. Don't get me wrong. But. You know, we asked for uh, support on some common sense legislation to basically say, hey, for these small businesses, including small parks and campgrounds, you know, let's uh, let's have a little bit of a grace period. So if there's something wrong or does not comply with ADA, um, let's give them a grace period to get it fixed before we are running to the courthouse uh, trying to file a, a suit against them for noncompliance. And I think, yeah, that's just common sense. Have you heard of any like. ADA related lawsuits in Indiana that have impacted park owners? Not in Indiana. Um, I have not personally. Um, There might be, uh, honestly, I, I don't know of any firsthand, uh, but I know that it it does happen. So I think that I kind of like the idea of taking a proactive approach uh, to make sure that we're in a good position when it does happen. Yeah. I know we saw a lot of those in California back in the, in my days with KOA. And it really can take a small business down to their knees because there's, yes. yeah. it, it's almost like, a, you know, a, a, you know, it, it's hush money. It, it's, it's this uh, strange thing. Well, if you pay me, I'll go away. You know, that, yes. that, that sort of a thing. So there's, there's some uh, unscrupulous people out there and attorneys that are, that are making a living on this. Yeah. So, and then the third thing that we had uh, on our, on our list of, of asks, and discussion points with the legislators um, had to do with EV charging uh, stations. And, you know, there's there's mixed feelings out there about electric vehicles, but there's no denying that they are coming. And, um, you know, there's, there's, there's trillions of dollars allocated to grow the nation's infrastructure and to grow um, charging stations to, to make it possible to drive coast to coast and get through some of these rural areas and, and Indiana has plenty of those. So mm-hmm. um, a pilot program that, uh, that Arvik is, is looking at is, you know, trying to pull together a public private um, partnership to try to allocate, uh, allocate some dollars to put uh, RV charging stations in Indiana's private parks. And, you know, the private park comes from, the land that the the campground would provide or donate or or use for these charging stations and there's some discussion right now as to you know whether that would be viewed as a as a benefit for the campground or a benefit for the typical EV car or truck driving consumer um, but I, I I like the proactive thinking behind it and um, 
you know, we looked at we looked at EV charging stations throughout the state, and we saw a heavy concentration in the region, uh, which is up near Chicago, during the Gary, Hammond, Maryville, uh, Crown Point area. And I think that's just because of the number of people that live there. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets a little um, gets a little scarce in north central Indiana, especially southern Indiana, where, you know, we have uh, some major highways that come through, you know, we're the crossroads of the, you know, U.S. So yeah. with, with 65 and 70 especially coming through, there's there's some good opportunities to put some EV charging stations. And, you know, all three of those asks were received well by our, our federal level legislators. And, you know, Mike, back to your, your question, I mean, attitudes were good. You know, it's like, what can we do to, to, to help, you know, Indiana small businesses and to help the campground industry in Indiana? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know, um, you know, I lived in Indiana for almost 15 years, and then I just moved back to Michigan here recently. But um, I know one of the other things that Indiana always seemed to talk about was rural, rural, uh, rural internet access. Um, Wi-Fi, and I know that's a big deal for campground owners. Is that still? Are they? You know, is the state doing a good job of building out that infrastructure? Are park owners being able to get good access to Wi-Fi if they live in those rural areas? Um, I I would not say a good job, but I would say a fair job. And I think yeah. it's mostly um, it's mostly on the commercial side uh, more so than it is on the state side at this point, from what okay. we see. Um, you know, just a few years ago, you know, Wi-Fi was kind of a, a nice to have, and we know that that's not the case now. I mean, that's a, that's a deal breaker. That's something that you have to have, um, in a campground. And, you know, it's kind of ironic and it's funny to say this working in the industries that we do, but, you know, when I go camping, I like to get away from Wi-Fi and email and, and streaming things because that's the way I make a living. But yeah. We know it is important for families, especially with kids, um, to stay connected via social media and um, stream movies um, for the whole family, really. So it is important. Um, It's still an issue uh, throughout Indiana. And um, I think that that there's there's still some work to be done to to make sure everybody's connected well. Um, You know, you can be connected to connected to the internet but the the signal might not be as strong as it needs to be especially on a busy weekend um so i think that we have some improvements to make here in the state of indiana and then and then i think you know mike and i mention evs a lot and i and i kind of get tired of talking about electric vehicles but uh one of the other things we've started talking about well at least i have for the last month or so is the eclipse and i know indiana's like in a <laughs> prime position for this eclipse, is that something that you're hearing from park owners as people are looking for camps, campground sites? What does that look like for the association? Is there going to be marketing for for that at all? I guess. Yeah, uh, you know we we haven't we haven't done as good a job as we probably should have at this point, but we're about a year out now. So yeah, yeah. I mean, Indiana is poised perfectly in the path uh, of the eclipse, and it is uh, it is a big deal. Um, some campgrounds, I, most campgrounds have actually identified that and picked up on it. And there are some that are still like, Matt, what's this eclipse thing? And I'm like, well, you probably need to mark your calendar because it's going to be a big deal. <laughs> um, 
So um, we will we will help support our member campgrounds and campgrounds throughout the state of Indiana with uh, all the resources that we have and we can help with um, as far as monopolizing on that weekend and making sure that it's uh, it's a good celebration. And, um, you know, we're poised and, and, and everybody's set for the uh, the influx because there's not going to be an empty campsite. Uh, no, I know last last time that happened uh, when it was going west to east. It was, uh, I think a lot of campgrounds along the route got caught with their pants down a little bit and, uh, they hadn't considered, uh, they hadn't considered their booking calendars far enough in advance. So they yeah. didn't have their rates set up a little bit, even to holiday rates, if that's what they wanted to do. So it was just another day of the week for them if people booked out and it was very hard for them to catch up and, and really make the money that they were due because it was a, a supply and demand thing. It, you're right. There's no doubt that every campground, it's hard to market it because every campground will be full. It's yeah. more about getting ahead of it uh, if you're an owner and making sure that you're getting the rate that you deserve for that weekend. Oh yeah, and you know, and and I have I've talked to a couple of people that that don't realize what a big deal this is. And the, yeah. the story that I like to tell them was a few years ago during the last eclipse, uh, I had a buddy uh, who had a special birthday, and his his wife was doing a surprise party for him in Atlanta, and I flew to Atlanta for the weekend for uh, his birthday celebration, and it was during or right before the, the last eclipse, and the, the airport and the rental car counters were jam-packed, and I didn't truly realize why until I started listening to people around me, and I learned that you know people were flying into Atlanta uh, because evidently, I think, I believe North Georgia at that point was mm -hmm. right in the path, and so I, I tell them, I said, you know, people not only, you know, will be traveling to camp, you know, but and people are flying around the country to see this kind of stuff. So it's it's a big deal. Yeah. You need to be prepared. And, you know, not that we want to gouge people, but make sure that you're positioned correctly for a, for a big deal. Yeah. And, I, and if you've got dry camping available, I mean, they'll, yeah. they'll take dry camping if oh, that's all they can get. I have to imagine they'll take about anything they can get as, as mm -hmm. campgrounds start to, to fill up. Yeah. And I mean... You know, uh, some parks can, you know, if they've got space, maybe even do like a day use thing where they, they let people come in off the, the roadways. Because I know during the last eclipse, people were just like parking along the roadways and like uh, just uh, getting out of their vehicles and looking and doing things. So uh, maybe. But I know last time I, yeah. I, I was getting calls from campgrounds that, that were full and didn't know why. And, you know, they had missed the opportunity to, to, yep. to raise the rate because they should have. Yeah, and this is predicted to be the largest travel event in the history of the U.S., which is amazing to think about. I guess it's just going to. You got your spot yet, Ben? No, no, I don't have a spot. I don't think I'll be getting a spot. Um, I live close enough to where I can just go to some, a state park or some different areas. I think um, just drive for the day. Um, I don't think I'm going to get a campground spot. I'll leave that out for the other campers. So. Um, but it should be a fun event. I'm really looking forward to it. It's, I think, what did they say, 25 years before the next one? So a lot of park owners should definitely be prepared. But I think that will wrap up today's episode. We ended on the eclipse, so um, not a bad show. Uh, thanks, Matt, for uh, uh, coming and talking with us about Indiana. And uh, thanks to our sponsor, Bush Tech Safari USA. And, um, Mike, it's always great to see you, too. So. See you around the corner. All right. Thanks, guys. I Thanks, everyone. It.
Thank you for listening to WCM's Park Update, a production of Woodall's Campground Magazine. Join us for a new show each Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern on Facebook, YouTube, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn for daily news and updates, and subscribe to our news feed on our website at woodallscm.com. Show hosts are Ben Quiggle and Mike Gast. Executive producers Rick Kessler and Alex Burkett. Copyright 2022, G&G Media Group.